the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Whether it be how to max out your 401k or how to even start thinking about the concept of budgeting, all seems good. I'd prefer that you start thinking about this. Oh, what do we have to talk about? S&P 500 is higher today. Dow's higher today. NASDAQ higher today. Why not start saying 2K for the S&P 500? Why not? It's at 1862. It feels like it's a skosh from all-time highs and close to Y2K, right? Y2K. How about just 2K? Whoops. It's not the year 2000. Oh, my. Do you remember that silliness? Dow up 202 points in at 16,267. NASDAQ up 55, sitting at 4,300. So let's talk about what we're seeing out there. Crimea voted 95.5% in favor of being annexed to Russia. That starts the day off in the what does that mean to me camp. I've never been to Crimea. You've never been to Crimea. So what does it make when Russia and Moscow signals it will annex Crimea quickly? Crimea's parliament voted to proclaim the region an independent state and formally seek Russia's permission to rejoin the country as a republic. Maybe it's the demon known. Like, why is the market rallying? White House imposes sanctions on seven Russian officials and four Ukrainians. Sanctions include former Ukrainian President Yanukovych for threatening peace in Ukraine. Even more important, Savannah Guthrie's pregnant. Yay! I don't know what that means. She's 42 years old. She did not take a honeymoon. She had a weekend wedding and then... She announced she's pregnant, and, well, that's probably about it, right? I don't know. Adjustable mortgages make a return. Yay, that's good news. Business is finding new reason for optimism in our side of our economy. And there is something to be said about the whole international economy versus the U.S. economy. 
seriously, this market is like on fire today. Which is interesting to note. There's not a lot of corporate news out there. Yahoo got that little pop this morning from being tied towards Alibaba. The genie in the baba. They're preparing for U.S. IPO. Hertz Global up 8% this morning. They're considered a $4.5 billion spinoff of its construction equipment business, which is interesting. On occasion, I have to rent like power tools because I'm a man. Look it up in the Wikipedia under man, and there's a picture of me. But I wouldn't have thought a construction equipment rental business would be standalone or private. Like, okay, I don't quite get it. General Motors was hit. Then again, I do get it because every single city and sometimes you hire contractors and contractors come to your home and they start building stuff and they need to go get blah, blah, blah from the construction equipment rental place. General Motors was hit with the first lawsuit related to its ignition recall. More to come. How does it hold at these levels is the big question. We know the bad news and we see the levels that it's at. We know their dividend. Does GM weather the storm? Is this a multi-billion dollar problem? Multiple billion dollar problem? Hundred of million dollar problem? Watch the stock. Because I think it's an intriguing play on dividends. Keep in mind, that's not me telling you to buy it. I'm saying watch it. Fed widely expected to cut another $10 billion from its asset purchase program. So they've got a meeting coming up, the Federal Reserve does, and that's kind of like a club of bankers getting together, having a glass of wine, maybe a hot toddy. And they're going to talk to Chairman Janet Yellen. Hey, Janet, what do you think? Should we cut more purchase and how... How are things over in San Francisco? Good. Okay. How are things in Boston? Okay. Good. Well, let's cut some more uh, asset purchases. Who's going to buy this debt? Chinese. We used to have a problem with them. The Japanese. We used to have a problem with them. Back in the 80s and early 90s, there was fear that the Japanese were going to buy all the buildings in America, whether it be New York and Times Square or the Seattle Mariners. There's always this, like, someone's buying our debt, and we don't quite like it, but thank you for doing it. There's a bias in the stock market that's positive, tied towards last week's decline. That's the only thing that I can see out there. There's going to be a new stress test released for banks. Meh. Meh. That should help the banks, is my assumption. The financial sector's been one of the better performing sectors this year. A lot of banks will get the blessing for returning capital to the shareholders. Increasing some share buybacks and dividend payments. I think this is not your last chance, but this is a great chance to own banks. Regional banks, hint, hint, wink, wink, not judge, poke, poke. So... Those are our stories of the day. When it comes to a little bit more color, uh, as far as what's driving the market, Crimea being annexed by Russia, 
European markets rally after referendum. So Europe's like, eh, ain't nothing but a thing. Which there is some basis to. The West is going to be reluctant to impose hard-hitting economic sanctions. There's a little outperformance day of the financial sector. Financials being banks. Again, I think it's tied towards that stress test thing that I brought up. You can buy the dip following last week's 2% drop, i.e., it's not so bad. But we do need opportunities to buy, and we do need opportunities to say, okay, where should our focus be? Things in the Ukraine are far from settled. I think that's fair to say. And uh, it's going to play out dramatically, right? So I think there's a measure of relief that military force has not been part of the Ukrainian solution or scenario up to this point. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. It's the luck of the Irish day. It's trying to explain to people on the West Coast who've only lived on the West Coast what it's like to be on the East Coast on St. Patrick's Day in either Boston or New York. Let's just say it looks like Rome a couple days before the fire started. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's Rob Black. Your money, I'm Rob Black. Talk about things financial. Got a big event coming up in a couple Thursdays from now. In Santa Clara, you can find out about the retirement planning event at robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW Cheap. I think relative to bonds, they're still the better value. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Money, investing, and much, 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 much more. Hmm... There was one story that kind of hit me this weekend that I saw as far as highlights go or headlights caught me that said half of U.S. business schools might be gone by 2020. That got me thinking a little bit. You know, Berkeley particularly has the Haas School of Business. And they come out with a research report that says half of business schools in this country could be out of business in 10 years or five. Or five. The threat is that more top MBA programs will start to offer degrees online. Okay. Now you have me into the article, right? How do I feel about online degrees? Personally, Seems like a good idea. Business-wise, I'm not going to hire you. Or maybe I would if you really, really, really present well kind of thing. 
Keep in mind, I do some continuing education in the world tied towards online classes. I recently signed up to be a coach. Um, I played in my collegiate days soccer, and I want to pass some skill sets on to the future generation. I just, I don't know. I teach swimming. I do some things that you probably don't know about me for charitable work. Um, So online doesn't totally offend me, and yet at the same time when I see this headline, I'm like, who would get an online degree from a business school? For most business schools, students pursuing part-time and executive MBAs generate crucial revenue. Those programs are geared towards working professionals. It's going to soon have to compete with elite online alternatives for the same basic population where people are like, you know what, if I can cut the striving out, I will. And I get it. So lower-ranked business schools, rather than recognized names such as Harvard Business School and Wharton, are most vulnerable. Because college has become too pricey. It's become almost elitism. So some of these big business schools, Haas School of Business at Berkeley, Harvard, Wharton, it's problematic. When the big players start offering online degrees, they'll draw far-flung students who might otherwise have opted for the convenience of a part-time program close to home. And that's where the rub is. Part-time and you know, business program pursuit, they've worked because, you know, if it's local, less financial aid's needed if you have a home near it, per se. Since most of the students are corporate strivers, they already live near a campus and become, you know, it becomes competition. So the whole online angle is, is interesting. Indiana's University Kelly School of Business ranks 15th on, you know, full-time programs that are out there. These could end in the next five to ten years. Last week, I did a big push on robotics putting jobs out. And when I go to my dentist, he puts a little blood pressure reader on my finger. And I'm like, how long until a nurse is out of the picture? Okay, so you remember they used to put a, a, a an arm patch on you? And it'd pump up the blood pressure. Now they're doing blood pressure on a finger kind of device that does its own little reading automatically. So more jobs are going away. At some point in time, that little blood pressure device that's on your finger is also going to do glucose monitoring. It's also going to do something else. I can imagine a day where you walk into a healthcare facility and you're greeted by a kiosk. Put your arm in this, put your finger in this, stick out your tongue, picture's taken, say ah, which I finally, I I had the courage to ask a doctor, like, why do you stick out your tongue and say ah? I'll give you a second to think about it, but I always wanted to know, and I never asked. They're looking for inflammation, whether it's tonsils or your tongue. If your tongue, and this is Rob's 
now you know moment. If your tongue suddenly becomes sensitive to heat and it never has been, if your tongue is suddenly sensitive to like tapatina sauce and it never used to be, if you have a red tongue versus a pink tongue, you may want to go see the doctor because you may have some sort of inflammation in your body. So now you know. So what is this inflammation? Could be anything from HIV. It could be cancer. It could be a fungus on your tongue. But your tongue is one of those indicators that's pretty easy to see. Like, you've been to the doctors before where they're like, okay, strip down to your blah, 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 and put this on, and they start touching parts of your body that you're uncomfortable with. And they, But again, that whole thing starts with stick out your tongue and say, ah, that's the easy check. Home builder confidence in the United States lower than forecast. So go see your doctor. Do regular checkups, especially if your tongue's strange or than it used to be. Confidence amongst home builders rose less than forecast in March. A sign the industry may take some time to pick up after that inclement weather hit this winter. Now, this is kind of a damnation game. The home builders build homes, right? Sometimes they're building multifamily homes. Sometimes they're building apartments. Sometimes they're building malls. Sometimes they're not building. With weather, they're obviously pushed aside, right? And with recent borrowing costs going up and higher property values, it's starting to limit some affordability. An improving market in jobs is helping them. But it'll be interesting where they go this, this spring slash summer because... It was a brutal winter, but it was also a brutal winter that saw interest rates climb. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up a couple Thursdays from now. You can also sign up for my newsletter that I send out at robblack.com. More information on the seminar and the newsletter at robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So, two stories that make me think money in funny ways. I woke up and... I think I probably swallowed a cavity, or I think I probably swallowed a filling. Something's quite not right in my upper left tooth mouth area. So I know a a bill's coming. I get so much deductible per year. I get so much work and cleanings free, blah, 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 per year. But there's a little sensitivity issue up there. And I like to eat 10 walnuts. I know you're saying 10. Actually, 5. I like to eat 5 halves or 10 halves of walnuts. And there's something a little 
tender there. And it's a little cold to water. Like, ooh, that's a little too cold. So something popped out last night is my guess. Keep in mind, I had two cavities for 25 years of my life. From age 0 to 25, I had two. Now, kind of like the Piper's come to pay or play or stretch his legs or... I don't know what the Piper's doing. But there's going to be a dental visit, is my assumption. And dental work's not quite the most insurable work out there. And, you know, any sort of work that you have, it's got a shelf life on it. So I'm just hoping it's not big. And the fact that it's sensitive, it's like telling me if something's exposed, there's a, a nerve there. That's not good. Okay, so that's one story that, like, flagpole, right? Second story is the, again, that's why you have an emergency fund. I'm not stressed by a little dental work. I have an emergency fund. Second story is a moderate 4.4 quake rouses LA out of the bed this morning. So a moderate earthquake lasted about five seconds, hit the west side of LA, apparently caused a little damage, but it was enough to get people out of bed. Hit right around 6.25 Pacific time. A little more than an hour ago. 4.4, somewhere in that area. Now, it's on the exclusive mountaintop communities that straddle the main L.A. base in San Fernando uh, Valley. There's pretty good shaking going on. Now, where do I throw this out at? I would consider earthquake insurance if my house was paid for, and I lived in L.A. I would consider earthquake insurance in parts of San Francisco and the Bay Area if my house was paid for. Not if I owe the money a lot of money. I don't really need the insurance. They do. So if the house falls over, I'll go bankrupt. That's fine. You know, I'll say, let's go in default. I'm moving on. I'm not paying that. Come after me. That's fine. So if the asset's on my side of the fence, I'm a little bit more wanting to insure it. Does that make any sense? Insure what you can't afford to lose. If if my house knocked was knocked over, I'd be like, yeah, I'll find another place to live. In fact... I'll run an ad on Craigslist or on this very radio station. Rob Black will come to live with you. How would that go? Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Interesting, last week was one of those days where we, one of those weeks where we had four or five down days. SP 500 up 16, the Dow's up 169, the Nasdaq up 41. Joining me now, certified financial planner Chad Burton. He's with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a certified financial planner. One of the issues on retirement, Chad, I look at risk. There's market risk. There's political risk. There's uh, currency risk. There's headline risk. There's earnings risk. There's inflation risk. There's lots of types of risk. But in retirement, I think there's five. There's timing risk. When do the lower or down returns occur? There's market risk, lower overall returns. A lot of people look at the last 10 years and say, uh, people over 60, they're just not going to expose their assets to, to risk anymore. And risk equals re- higher returns, mm-hmm. in theory. Um, there's expense risk. Medical costs go up. Repairs go up. Replacement cars. There's longevity risk. Risk, you know, you live in too long. Yeah. Like, at some point in time, I want my mom to die because she's becoming more and more expensive as the years go on. I know that sounds horrible to say. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. You just look like a big jerk. <laughs> but there's also inflation risk. Yeah. And inflation risk hits seniors more than anyone else because of the cost of health care and Medicare. Right. Well, you have to expose yourself to some risk assets. Otherwise, later in life, 
you will subject yourself to a much lower lifestyle. The only way you can keep up with inflation is dealing with stocks, commodities, different types of investments. So if we look at inflation risk as an issue, that means part of your portfolio, part of your stock portfolio has to be overseas. The reason why is because when you're earning money in over, you know, stocks from other countries or bonds from other countries, you're automatically hedging yourself against the falling dollar, which is where inflation comes from. Okay? Higher commodity prices and a falling dollar causes inflation. So in your overall portfolio, you need to have of your government bond exposure, some of it needs to be in TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Bonds, and of your overall bond exposure, a decent portion needs to be in foreign bonds with a good, well-known manager that's been doing it for a while and has good risk-adjusted returns. And of your stock portfolio, you've got to have some good dividend-paying stocks from overseas as well. That's a good way to hedge against inflation. Um, other risks that we have to hedge against is that, that idea of longevity that you talked about, right? Absolutely. I mean, people used to retire thinking they were going to live till 80, 85. Now, I've had uh, three clients make it to past age 100, and I'm sure I'll you have You had a three lot clients more. make it over 100? Yeah. Do you send them a gift? <laughs> I should have. Send them a, a card like, hey, you're over 100, your life must suck. We had a client that uh, at 98 fell off of her ladder cleaning her own gutters. That's crazy. I fell off my ladder. She broke her hip, and she was fine you know, six months later. Wow. Tough old lady. Tough old lady. Yes, she was. She so, so, So what's that? She chew leather? <laughs> for breakfast every day. Leather and bacon. Um, but you know, for longevity risk, that's why I say you've know, you, you got to have a good portion of your overall income coming from income that you can't outlive. Yeah. Things like uh, pension-type income, Social Security-type income. Income that's guaranteed from, you know, either the government or or some sort of a highly rated insurance company. That's your longevity switch. There's actually longevity insurance that's being sold out there now, that kicks in after age 85 and starts paying you a certain amount of money. Um, so there is ways to build that into your overall plan, that, that longevity risk. Let me know how much time we have left, Mr. Producer. At some point in time, timing risk. That, I think it's kind of a, one of the things that like people don't think about. But, like, the housing downturn caused a lot of people's retirements just calamity. Yeah. Because they had this asset that was appreciated, 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 appreciated. And then the, you know, the 2006 real estate bubble popped. Mm-hmm. And the timing, it sucked to be a 2010 time frame. You know, it, I don't know if that makes any sense what I'm trying to say. It does because, you know, a lot of people, especially in the Bay Area, re- retire with, a lot, with rental properties, yeah. right? Yeah. And they have to do a very detailed retirement plan with their cash flow um, and saying that, okay, my income need is here. It's going to go up with inflation every year, and my portfolio is only going to last 15 years, so obviously I'm going to have to start selling some of my properties. And if that is in real estate, you need to know 10 years ahead of the game before you know you're going to need to sell real estate. Because real estate cycles cycle through every 10 years. So if you're going oh, through... What's that mean? Real estate cycles every 10 years? Every 10 years, from peak to trough to peak to trough. Really? It's always a 10-year type of a cycle. Okay. So um, or, or stocks are very similar, too. I mean, you have you know, seven, 70% of the time stocks are up, 30% of the time stocks are down. Bear markets, bull markets tend to last 10 to 15 years at a time. So everything cycles. So you know that, okay, it's, it's uh, 2012. I'm going to have to sell a rental property to replenish my portfolio by 2022, right? Okay. Let's say in five years you get what's really another real estate bubble, for example. I'm not saying there's going to be one, but it, let's say there is. Let's say everybody and their moms are wanting to buy real estate no matter what it's doing, and you know you, you're at the top of another price point. Well, you might want to sell that property five years early and take advantage of that dip. In terms of your overall portfolio, to take out the timing risk, the timing risk when you're in retirement is you're living off of your portfolio. 
So the thing that will kill your returns and kill your chances of a long-term retirement in the long run is if you're selling stocks or bonds in a down market. Both have a lot of risk. In fact, in bonds, there's more risk now than ever that you're going to have to sell in a down bond market because we haven't had a down bond market for many years. And usually when the bond market's down, you get two years of negative returns. And so the only way to hedge against that, you need three years' worth of your portfolio draws in cash. That's the only way that you're going to make sure that you don't time the market on the selling side. And uh, after that, every quarter on the upside, peel your gains to replenish the amount of that cash that you've spent. That's how you reduce the risk of timing in retirement. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Money, investing, and much, much more. Uh, you know, the headlines day, Russia, Crimea, annexing Crimea, but they're not going to go after Ukraine, or will they go after the Ukraine? A little bit too early. Under Armour has approved a two-for-one stock split. Here's weird. I like Nike a lot. I would say Nike is something that never fails me. It's a good night out. It's a good dinner. It's a good glass of wine. It's a good steak. It's something I can go back to again and again and again. I like Under Armour. A little bit sexier. A little bit younger. A little more appeal for the future. But I also like Nike. Hey, Happy St. Patty's Day to you. Be careful today, please. It's one of those days that could cost you a lot of money if you're stupid. Call Uber, get a cab, do whatever you have to. 800-516-1220. a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. New accident in Chevrolet and this very update brought to you by the forecast industrial production boosts optimism in the U.S. minute. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. So, one of the partners I talk to on radio is The Street, of which I'm pretty openly critical of Jim Cramer's kind of the church of what's working now, and he runs it. And I don't have a problem saying. I've got some issues with him. I think the website, The Street, does great work. They hire real journalists who do real reporting, and they break real stories when it comes to money. Of which, that whole real thing is kind of interesting. One of the issues that I've always run into combines this whole 
I'm going to tie this all together in just a second. Give me a second. I've got to figure out how I want to do this. Apple is a company that we all know and love. So, and maybe you love to hate them, okay? Maybe they're Duke, where you either want them to go to the sweet 16 because it helps your bracket, the final four because it helps your bracket, but you also hate that Mike Krzyzewski guy because you can't spell his last name. Or you just don't like the whole Duke fanatic thing. There was a story last week that a student at Duke resorted to a career in pornography, a short-lived career, to pay for her tuition. And that was one of those stories where, like, what kicked me in the story, because, like, we've all heard that. What kicked me was it was $60,000 a year to go to Duke. And the Cameron Crazies and basketball thing, you either love or you hate them, right? So I get it. You probably want a kid to go to Duke because it's considered a great school, but you probably want them to win or lose the basketball tournament for you. Okay, so we got a little bit of that going on, a little March Madness. But business story last week broke about that student that I just mentioned. There's some good websites out there for business stories. One of them, like I said, is The Street. And they're doing some pretty good reporting today on Apple. Guy that I have put on air, Chris Sikasha, Uh He's come on the air and he's talked about some of the things that he sees. And one of the things that he's seeing now is that Apple apparently has something called a health book. What is a health book? It looks like Passbook, which if you have Apple's iOS, you know what it is. It gets you on or off airplanes and things like that. Allows you to present coupons and deals. Apple's building on that now with HealthBook. And the screenshots are fascinating. Emergency card, blood work, heart rate, hydration, blood pressure, activity, nutrition, weight, oxygen saturation, sleep, blood sugar, nutrition, activity. And you start putting that together and you're like... Wait, respiratory rate? Why is that in there? Oxygen saturation? Why is that in there? I don't even know what it is. So, is this going to be a wearable device? Tough to say, right? Is it going to be something you hook up to your iPad? We don't know. Is this going to be part of the operating system, or is this going to be hardware that's supported by the operating system? I would love an app to look at my sleep and really get it and help me. And basically say, you're putting your life in danger. Like, be careful, dumbhead. You're only getting four hours of sleep a night. You're waking up a lot in the night. You're snoring. You know snoring is a sign that you might have a heart attack? So a couple, two things I taught you today. So now you know. One, fiery tongue, red tongue, hot tongue. Could be a sign that something's wrong, infection in your body. But on top of it, snoring could lead to a heart attack. Lose a little weight. Get some sleep. Now you know. So Chris Acacia at the street has published some photos 
of some leaks tied towards something as far as what's going to be seen on the screen. Blood sugar is fascinating. My mother's diabetic. She's type 2, i.e. old and fat or old and overweight. You know, I caught some heat from management because I said my mom had a stroke and one day she fell out of bed and sat in her own fecal matter. They're like, that's too graphic. That's too graphic. But it's honest, and I think that helps people understand that money issues are linked to you in very interesting ways. So I got some heat for that. I've got a friend whose mother had two strokes, and dad basically gambled with the housing market and lost. And that's graphic. I'm sure no one likes to hear that their dad gambled with the housing market and lost, i.e. bought too many rentals, then got foreclosed on them. Okay, so back to Chris Cage of the street. I put the street on even knowing that I'm not the greatest Jim Cramer fan. I'm not against him. But I think the journalist reports that they're putting together, and again, it's journalist-based. No one is is looking at them and saying, okay, you're doing financial media. They're doing financial journalism, and it's totally different than talking to a financial analyst. But it's worth noting, and again, blood sugar with an Apple device, I'm thinking diabetes, nutrition, I'm thinking moms and kids. Like, honestly, as a parent, as a mother, do you think your kids are getting all the vitamins that they need? You tell me. As a spouse, if your husband's snoring, do you think he can get better sleep, which would lead to better everything in your life? Probably. So this is intriguing what Apple's working on. And they've got some uh, exclusive screenshots at the street on it. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Clearly, i got a little bit of a cold. Good to be me. SP 500 tire by 20, the Dow's up by 200, the Nasdaq's up by 55. Feels like a little bit of a snapback rally. Properties. Get the free Pinnacle Perspective Report and invest is the quietest dishwasher brand in the U.S. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. And I can talk weird stuff on money. I want to get you to retirement. That's the goal of the show. It always has. No one hasn't always been. At one point in time, I did a show called 2020 Insight or 2020 on Wall Street. I'm not sure which one was first, but they kind of coincided, I think. And I did a lot of tech stocks, and that's where I'm really good at. But as I grew to the audience, I learned that they needed a little bit more than just tech stocks. Trust me, when I do a speech on tech stocks, people show up because it's that kind of good. But more importantly, I need to make you a better investor. Disney is a great stock to think about. And earlier in the show, I was talking about Nike and Under Armour. But Disney, one of the stories that I saw over the weekend in financial media was Lion King is the top Broadway circle of life. Now, 
you know me. I hate Broadway musicals. I'd rather die than go to a Broadway musical, of which that's probably going to land me in my boss's office. My wife was a Broadway singer, and you just offended her. That's fine. Trust me, I get run into the office on a pretty regular basis these days. So Disney's Lion King is a top Broadway circle of life. Now, if I were just to tell you Lion King is a top Broadway circle of life, you'd be like, I don't care. Um, Simba. It was a Broadway show that's been shaky, to say the least. There's that chick who John Travolta can't pronounce her name, Enrique Manzaya. And she was in a uh, Broadway show, Wicked. So how did Lion King beat Wicked? And Wicked, obviously, the retelling of, well, not the retelling, but the, the witch's perspective, where she was green as a kid, and no one liked her, and they were mean to her. And, you know, there's a parallel tied towards, clearly, race and color in the United States. So how did the Lion King knock off Wicked? They did it by charging $10 here, $20 there, half off now. So it's fascinating that they kind of figured out a ticketing scheme that was adaptable. And that's how Disney's Lion King hits the top of Broadway. Now, when I say that, I've got a friend who... Her family just went to Florida and went on a Disney cruise, and she's like, I hate it. I was like, how did you hate a Disney cruise? She's like, flying halfway across the country, or flying all the way across the country, then the whole cruise angle. Some of my kids were bored, some of my kids were loving it. She's got a lot of kids. I don't quite understand that, but it's true. So... What's the what's the story? Oh, Disney, Disney, Disney. Back to Disney. Disney's dominating. The Lion King? Wait, wait. When you think about Disney, what do you think about? It's going back, 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 back. He's rumbling, he's rumbling, he's mumbling. It's ESPN. It's ABC. It's a slew of cable channels. It's those annoying theme parks, which also now have these passes that are electronic that tell you when the line is the shortest and now is the time to go here and it's kind of like pushing people left and pushing people right. I have a female friend and I can't tell this story on her because I will get fired. But she's beautiful and she worked at Disney and she was young at working at Disney and let's just say some of the things that happen in the park aren't family friendly. So Disney is ABC. They're the television show Lost. They're that little mouse. They're that Minnie Mouse. Disney is aggressively going after Nickelodeon. Now, you know SpongeBob SquarePants, right? That's Nickelodeon. That's tied towards CBS Viacom. Disney has their own kids channel. They've got the tween channel with Hannah Montana and all that kind of program that you've never ever seen in your life. Jonas Brothers. So you have a factory of people that they're always starting super young from toddlers. I mean, they own it all. They own so such a vast swath 
of entertainment. And again, you and your sugar bugger, you're in love. You're having dinners in San Francisco. It's romantic. You make a baby. And you got to take that baby to Disneyland, right? Like, if you live in America, you have to take your kid to Disneyland or Disney World. I never went. Okay, true confession. Let's play true confessions. I've never been to Disneyland. Ever. I've never been to Disney World. Ever. Weird, right? Not that weird, but weird enough. Because one in ten Americans have. That's one of those statistics when you hear it out loud, you're like, whoa. And again, that's why you want to own a company like Disney. Now, again, today at its all-time high, no. Ten years when it's at all-time high, yes. But today, no. So you almost have to bite the bullet when you buy a company like that. And it's a great company to buy for your kids. They've got a beautiful annual report where you get to tell your kids, oh, and they own ESPN. And your kid can watch sports and go, okay, I get it. I own part of this now. Oh, and they own the theme parks. And there's, you can explain stuff to your kids, get them understanding money and invested. Whether it be a company like a buy and hold where you can buy five shares, that's fine. I don't think you have to own the whole world. I don't think you have to become a stock mogul. But I do want you to own some of it. Instead of, you know, drinking your income in beer, wine, alcohol, I'd rather you invest your income in that mouse and that cable network and that affiliation with local news, which is pretty interesting. I've recently made a decision to cut some of my media. I just, I have to work less. And hopefully you don't see the ramifications of it, but I have to work less. Local news is struggling. And Disney has had conversations. And local news is why, you know, TV stations are owned. There's a lot of money to be made in, in, in news. The reruns of Dr. Phil aren't exactly making people rich, if you know what I'm saying, or Oprah. So there's been talks that ABC wants to get out of local news because Google is getting more eyeballs with YouTube. Facebook is getting more eyeballs. You've seen Katie Kirk kind of jump the shark and go away from a network and go to Yahoo. More of those deals seem likely. Again, diluting the value of a local franchise. Wild to watch the change. Anyway, Disney is what the story is all about. Don't be stupid. You can find out more about me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Check out the markets and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, 
Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black here. Money. I'm Rob Black. Talk to all things financial, money, investing, and more. What do you think it's the most ad spending in the United States? Is it the NHL? No. Is it Major League Baseball? No. The NBA? No. Of which... Baseball gets three times as much as the NHL. NBA gets 50% more than Major League Baseball. That's a bit of a surprise, right? The NFL, do they get the biggest ad spending? No. Who does? It's the NCAA March Madness Tournament. It's huge. So, especially for a relatively short time frame, right? But who watches college basketball? People with disposable income. Men with disposable income in particular. And that's what advertisers are looking for. To get your calls there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Let's take a look at some market numbers. We got the Dow up 160, the Nasdaq up 39, the SP 500 up 16. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton talking all things financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com or hear him right here on this radio station from 1 to 2 p.m. New Focus on Wealth. Risk tolerance and rebalancing. Chad, those are two very big terms that all investors must be aware of. Why? Well, what will happen is in good times, people stick with the winners, and that tends to be good for a three-year period, and then the best asset class that performed the best over a three-year period in the next five years is likely, in one of those years, is going to be one of the worst places to be because things correct. The way that the market works is that you have, you know, 10-year average PE ratios, 10-year average price-to-sales ratios. And you tend to get pushed well above that for a year or two before it corrects back down. And unfortunately, investors chase that end of the return because you don't hear about it in the news until the party's already over, until everybody's already saying how good the returns were. People get in late, and then uh, they take too much risk, and then it drops. And then instead of hanging in there for a couple of years until it comes back, they sell. And then by the next winter, that drops three years later. You know, it's just this, this... roller coaster ride and short-term memory issue that investors have. I remember recently pulling up a chart when the S&P 500 hit a record high and it was being led by healthcare. The healthcare sector was breaking out and the underperformer was consumer staples. Mm -hmm. Simply put, and everywhere in between was financials and tech and they were all in between. So the winners were healthcare, the laggards were consumer staples. As an active investor, would you say that there's value in consumer staples and that there's growth in healthcare like well, yeah, but I mean, let me give you an example. It's a perfect example that you brought up because early in 2013, consumer staples had had a huge run by then. Okay. Everybody had bid them up because they were dividend-paying stocks in most cases. 
Not high revenue growers, not growth companies, but dividend paying stocks. So investors piled into them. So all of a sudden, we had dividend yields well below the 10 year average. We had price to sales and PE ratios well above the 10 year average. We decided to sell consumer staples, ETF, and go into the healthcare ETF. And that was one of the best performing asset classes because looked, we looked at the healthcare ETFs, and they were almost just the opposite of that because everybody was freaked out of Obamacare and Affordable Care Act, which, and it's the same thing. But so a lot of these companies had been bid down and were trading at a discount relative to the S&P 500. And that's the kind of subtle moves that you make. You buy when it doesn't look right. You know, you buy when nobody else wants it. You don't buy when it's already done well. So when rates are low, people are looking to dividend-paying stocks as bond alternatives. Yeah. You know, the AT&Ts, the Verizon, the telecommunication companies have 4%, 5% dividend yields. The utilities have 2 to 3% dividend yields sometimes. Um, is that a good idea to hide in growth stock or hide in dividend-paying stocks? If you can really babysit it, because th- the problem with this is that a lot of those com- uh, stocks, if, especially utilities, REITs, and telecom, can be very sensitive to a jump in interest rates. A lot of times that's, that sensitivity, though, is short-term. The problem is is that you have conservative investors selling portions of their bonds to go into dividend-paying stocks thinking that they just go up and they pay a great dividend. Those same investors are very conservative, so when they start to lose money and see a negative value on a statement – they freak out, and so they'll sell right at the bottom of the dip, and they turn their losses into real. So especially you know, when you're younger, yeah, absolutely. Just deal with a little bit more volatility. You don't really need bonds, but when you're older, you still have to maintain a level of risk that you're comfortable with. I rebalance twice a year in my 401K. Mm-hmm. Good idea, bad idea? Uh, good idea. I mean, I would assume that you're Rob Black and you rebalance more like you know, every three months, but you know, that's just my opinion. I don't think I have that option. Yeah, you go in manually and do it. You can turn on the automatic rebalancer, but come on, log in manually, Rob. Do some rebalancing. Do you realize how important my time is? And you are a busy man. If I'm not solving cancer, if I'm not finding Noah's Ark, if I'm not out there, you know, trekking philanthropy and helping people in Africa, do you think I have time to do quarterly rebalancing? Come on. <laughs> so when do you, how do you determine it to rebalance? Like, for instance, market correction rebalance, market 52-week high rebalance, or do you just say... Both. Okay. It's both. Uh, so what, what you do is, so we have six different models ranging from very conservative to very aggressive. And we have thresholds at every asset class for each model. And as soon as, so if we set one model that might be, you know, 15% international developed and 10% emerging markets. Yeah. And the international developed goes more than 10% above its, its allocated level. Then we say, okay, we're, it's time to sell. What are some other areas in the portfolio that look like a screaming buy because they're selling at a discount? Is that emerging markets? Is that small cap or whatever? So you're, once it hits the upper and the lower bands, it either sets a sell trigger or a buy trigger, and you look for places to fill. It's not automatic. I don't like stop losses necessarily, but it's an internal uh, monitor of your own portfolio. So CFP, Chad Burton, this is what he does for a living. He's on top of all things financial. He's a financial planner. Great website, tons of content. Seriously, I was surprised by how much is there, how many articles have been written, how many videos, how many PDFs that you know can start you thinking in the process of retirement and what it means to you. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Gearing up for another seminar a couple Thursdays from now. Come see the new Skinnier Rob Black. The event is the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income. It's going to be in Santa Clara. 
at the Santa Clara Marriott. CFP Chad Burton will be talking tax-efficient investing, Social Security benefits, outliving your savings. I'll be talking dividend stocks. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. AM And your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Here's some fascinating uh, video out there today of the earthquake hitting LA 4.4. CBS, L.A., the anchors this morning when the earthquake hit L.A., 4.4, not a big one. They reacted on air. And if you're going to have an earthquake hit a city, you want it kind of on the news anchors are on, because you get a real view of what those people are like in real life. Some anchors at KTLA put their hands up like, whoa, 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 and got under the desk. Rightfully so. It's fascinating to watch. Because that's not how, as a guy who works in news media, you see news media play. And when it does play that way, it's like, it's almost refreshing. Uh, it's so much easier to go, John Daly hits it in the water three times in a row. Crimea's deputy prime minister made a troubling prediction about what happens next with Russia. More after this. But when you see people like, whoa, 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 get that human moment, it's appreciated. I try to live in that human moment, whether it's with friends, family, loved ones, what have you. And I'll go as far as to say, like, some things don't make sense. Uh, Louisville, you know, is the top college as far as what their brand is worth. You know, financially speaking, and I'll go, that's crazy. $39.5 million? They're a financial powerhouse that Kansas, Kentucky, and UNC, they're closing the gap, but they ain't no Louisville. And you're like, Louisville? Like, I've been in that state. What is it? Kentucky, Memphis. Like, you start going, I, I, maybe I haven't been in that state. But as the NCAA men's college basketball tournament gets started, also known as March Madness, which we're pretty late in March. Does it end in April now? Apparently. Efforts to unionize Northwestern University football team, ongoing lawsuit against the NCAA for antitrust violations. I think we're pretty long overdue to say that we honestly see these athletes as getting a share of the action. 
you could call them college athletes or collegiate athletes. You could like hide behind that in some way, shape, or form. But someone's making an oogle of money, just a crazy amount of money. And the NCAA is a nonprofit, and a lot of college scholarships come out of this. But the athletes honestly deserve some sort of pension. Because for most of them, and this is what always tears me up on senior day, you're saying, you don't really get teared up, do you? You're just making this up for radio. No, actually, I do a little bit, because I play collegiate sports. And there comes a point where you no longer play. But you've been, I played soccer two seasons for 14 years of my life. So I probably played 28 plus seasons. That's a lot of soccer. And there comes a point, and again, I, I love wrestlers. <laughs> wrestlers, you are the funniest bunch of, of freaks on the planet. Because you're short, and you've got something to prove to the world. And something to prove to the world is you get stocky and muscular, and you have an attitude, because you're short. Tom Cruise is like, I'm not going to wrestle, I'm just going to go into acting, I'm short. People who are short look better on film, whether it be print or, or live action. Like, you ever look at, like, the models that are in adult magazines? Like, a lot of them, none of them are, like, six, seven. And same thing could be said for, anyway, I'm digressing here about wrestlers and how they make me giggle. But there comes a point where it's that athlete's last game of the season, ever. Like, I didn't play soccer for 10-plus years after I finished, because I had played it for 14-plus years of my life. So I got to the point where I wanted to play again as an adult, and now I want to coach kids because I think that's a nice thing to do. And you can pass some, you know, some. I was European based, and you can pass some skills on to some children. That again, athletes are good. Our athletics are good for kids. They keep them skittier, uh, gets them away from drugs, alcohol, peer pressure, in theory. So anyway. Where does the story go? Okay. I get a little teary-eyed about the whole NCAA. For most of these guys, they're never going to go on and play professional. And if they do, they've hit a lottery. But for those who don't, that's it. So I see the NCAA, and I see this as the most profitable uh, tournament. Clearly, ever national TV advertising spending during the postseason sports on the NHL nominal, baseball nominal, basketball gets a little bit more impressive because people don't pay attention to the last you know couple minutes of the last couple games, so they're a captive audience when they are. The NFL in postseason gets a ton of advertising, but NCAA gets the most, and it's time that we give these athletes at least something of a pension. I know you're saying, but they're getting free college education. But most of them aren't getting a free college education. Most of them are getting, not most, but a large part have an opportunity for a college education. But then they're taking, like, uh, classes on, you know, media and sports media. (laughs) You know, just BS classes, right? Basket weaving. It's tragic the way we treat Athletes, I mean, there are heroes for three years, and then we move on to another hero. Of which I've recently found some of this in radio and television. Of as you get older, 
you do face age discrimination. Uh, so just know that. The NCAA awards $2.4 billion in scholarships every year to more than 150,000 student-athletes. That's not, you know, chump change. But it is chump change when you know how much money they make as an organization. So they support their student-athletes academically. They provide them basic needs of college life, such as a computer, clothing, emergency travel expenses. And again, I don't know. How much of a shortfall does an athlete have to cover for their their tuition? To me, it's just, again, the revenue from college sports is huge. And I think you have to pay these guys a little bit of do-re-me. Some $10.6 billion was generated from college athletics in 2012. The average Division I school got $15.8 million of that just for football alone. The average scholarship shortfall for out-of-pocket expenses for a student was $3,200. So whether you agree or disagree, I think they should be making at least $3,200. Because we're watching them this weekend for entertainment. And work productivity will go down Thursday and Friday this week. Grown men, and this is fascinating to me, I recently learned, or I didn't even recently learn, I think I learned this three or four years ago, that this is the biggest vasectomy week of the year. So men will schedule to take time off, adult men, and this is kind of like it's 40 plus, to get surgery where they're laid out, where they don't want to move, where a wife dotes on them and says, you know, you're such a great guy, thanks for doing that. It's the biggest vasectomy week of the year because men want to watch basketball Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They just want to lay low, don't move, don't lift anything heavy. Fascinating, right? Like, who would have known? That's what I do this show about. This show should have been called Rob Black and Who Would Have Known? Because it's fascinating to me. And now you know. I'm going to change that to it. And there you have it. S&P 500 up 13, the Dow's up 139, the NASDAQ is up 32. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Putin and Crimea. Crimea basically voted over the weekend. Did they vote? Did they not vote? Was it rigged? Was it not rigged? Go talk to your Republican or Democrat friend. I don't care. All I can tell you is that no bullets have been fired, and Wall Street likes that no bullets have been fired angle. Does that make any sense? Or am I talking voodoo? So go do the voodoo that you do so well. Um, A lot of stocks that we follow. You know what's one that has me fascinated is Tesla. We're now starting to see lawsuits hit Tesla that they can't sell cars in states because they're not a dealer. They have to set up dealer relationships. They're more of a showroom. And clearly, the auto dealerships have bought and paid for that vote. Because I think we all like Tesla. We want them to succeed. They're an American company. They make great product. But for some reason, they're not allowed to sell in four-plus states right now because the auto dealers are paying off the politicians. And the auto dealers say, look, I bought a Ford I bought a Ford uh, dealership, and uh, I, I here hired this director of sales and this, this secretary of sales, this finance person, and 
I, I, I'm helping the local economy. And I get it. But that's a stock that I would have thought maybe taken a hit on that news. That the legal proceedings aren't going terribly their way. But no hit it, it, it seemed to happen. You can find me online at robblack.com. Think of it coming up a couple Thursdays from now in Santa Clara on the 27th of March. You can sign up for the retirement planning event at robblack.com. So generally, we would agree with the... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Recently made a slight change. Basically demanding from my own life that I do less and not more. I'm in a position where I can do that. I've never been in the position where I did it, but now I'm at that point. Hopefully, you get to that point at some point in time. Um, I'm not going to turn my back on the listeners or the viewers. I just I need to do a little less. I will still try to make good arguments and thoughts for you. For instance, I think if you have a kid today under the age of 10, you should do everything you can to get them into the game Minecraft. It's a video game that puts kids at the role of a creator. It is a game that involves coding. By learning to code, I think kids create their own games, their own website, their own apps, their own pictures, their own stories, and they learn how to think logically, and they learn how to solve problems. I grew up playing chess. I grew up in a foreign country, many foreign countries. I didn't have American friends. I didn't have American cartoons. One of the best things I think you can do is get your kid in some apps, and I know I'm saying put them in front of a screen for one hour a day. No more. CFP Chad Burton, he's got some lovely children. And I'm like, how did you create lovely children? He's like, they get one hour of screen time, whether it's the TV or their computer, that's it, a day. And they respect that, and he makes sure that he fills in the time with fun activities. Uh, there's a great company or a great app called Tinker, T-Y-N-K-E-R, where you have a dog, and you have to basically run code on top of it. Kind of a drag and drop, teaching it how to walk, teaching it how to run. There is another one called Codable, K-O-D-A-B-L-E. Now, you won't teach your kid how to spell Codable with a K instead of a C, but it's 30-plus puzzles where you basically create code. I don't... I think being a parent in this day and age has got to be the scariest thing in the world, seeing the job market. I think being a kid in this world, you hope that your parents are scared and afraid. Um, a lot of coding, it's going to take you a little bit, you know, you're going to have to be a little bit older. But I know a parent that recently, there's a running club for middle school, and she basically got her kindergartner start into a running club with older kids because having the ability of learning how to run or run and be athletic, she thinks is important. All of her kids are 
pre-Olympian swimmers. And I think that's a responsible parent. There's robot turtles out there. There's GameStar Mechanic. I think the best thing you could do, and I'm not smart enough to do this at this point in time. I'm tired. But if I could, if I could set up summer camps for parents tied towards teaching your kids to code, I think that's going to be a hot, hot business model. And parents would pay $100 a day. If you babysit the kid for two or three hours and teach them how to code, easily $100 a day. And with Stanford and Berkeley in this Bay Area, teaching your kids how to code and getting the teachers to do it, you know, college kids, every parent would just sign up for it. So we should set up a coding academy summer school project because the Bay Area would do it. The Bay Area, parents are so ludicrous. They would send their kids to like a, like a, a coach for T-ball, Right? Were that kind of ludicrous. Anyhow, so coding, I think, is probably one of the most important things that you'll be able to do. Oh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Crimea votes 95.5% in favor of being annexed to Russia. That sounds fishy, but we'll go with it. Outperformance today of the financial sector, which... I think this is the last year that I'll be able to say financial stocks are cheap. I've been saying it for four years now, and they've made me look good. I think they're set for outperformance. There's going to be a stress test released by the Federal Reserve that I think will allow them to raise, to use their capital to pay dividends and buy back shares, and I think that'll be a big push. Uh, Again, am I telling you how to game the system? I kind of am. And you know what? You owe me something. Is it love? Is it respect? Respect my authority? You can find me and email me. It's just say, Rob Black, we love you. Rob at robblack.com. It's Rob at robblack.com. Uh, every stock that I follow today that I'm seeing is up. NASDAQ's up 55. Dow's up 202. The SP 520. Do I think we roll higher and never look back? No. Of course not. We had such a great la- year last year that even if the, the companies do their job, there's a chance that their stock won't because of the great year that we pulled forward into the future last year. Companies didn't do that good last year. They were up 30%. I mean, companies weren't, like, making gold out of bread, which is my next new invention. It's the bread machine that makes gold. Me lucky Irish people. You know, St. Patrick wasn't even Irish. That's the killer of it all. And what a great holiday, right? You basically get to be Irish for a day. You get to proposition women to give you a kiss because you're Irish and not look crazy. You look crazy, but you can still get away with it. Be careful today. It's a holiday where no one should drink and drive. Um, Financial tragedies happen from it, but life tragedies do too. If you drink more than two today, get a driver, call a cab, use an app like Uber. Be safe. Take care. Have a good day. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.